verse, starting at verse, you know what? We're actually, let's read, uh, we'll read that whole section starting. We did verses 11 through 14 last week. If you would stand, so we read, as we read the word of God, we'll stand together and um, give honor to that. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray that as, as we get into your word, you'd speak to us, that it would change us, that it would affect us. We'd be ready to hear from you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 11 of chapter 2 of Galatians. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the, of the Gentiles... Uh, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, I, through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. For I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. All right, you may be seated. Kind of backed up a little bit because it gives context into what Paul is dealing with. And uh, we see Paul rebuking Peter. Peter being one of the major pillars of the church. Paul had to rebuke him because Peter, knowing full well that the Gentiles had, uh, there was no separation between Jews and Gentiles. Peter had been eating with the Gentiles. They, he was free in that way. But when these Judaizers came who were of the circumcision, those who were trying to return them to the law, get them back to earning their way to a higher standing with God, to enhancing their salvation or working their debt off of their salvation, depending on their, their mindset. Paul was stood him to his face because he said he was to be blamed. And so... It's in that context we continue on. And, and this morning we're going to actually be looking at uh, the, this amazing doctrine of justification. So there's three workings of salvation in the life of a believer, and, it, and they're ordered, right? So it's justification is the first one. And, and when we look at justification, we recognize we're justified or made right. The debt has been paid by God in, it, through faith in Christ alone. That we're made right before God. Like we are now, when he looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus. We're justified. That's the first step in salvation, right? And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. The second part or you know, piece of the 
the puzzle or pie, uh, however you want to call it, is sanctification, right? And this is when we grow more and more in the likeness of Christ. As the Holy Spirit has this work in us, and, and we all know we are in the process of sanctification. Justification, it happens when we accept Jesus, and we recognize our sins, and we recognize that we can't pay for them. We see the law as a wall that we cannot even think about climbing. It's just way too high. It's, it's too steep. It's just, there's no way of getting out, and God comes down, and he rescues us, and we recognize it. Sanctification is from that point until we die, where the Lord comes back and takes us home. That's, that's from that point to heaven, eternity, right? And so sanctification is the messy process of where God is working on us and, and yet we mess up often. <laughs> we take a couple steps forward, we take a step back, but this is that process of us slowly becoming more like him. And then glorification, this is where everything is good, <laughs> We finally get, we go to heaven and uh, the sin and the effects of sin are done away with. We're in our glorified states, set up, ready for heaven. A place where there's no more tears, no more sorrows, no more decay and breakdown. So this morning we're going to, we'd be fools to not touch on this doctrine as we go through the scripture. The doctrine of justification. And doctrine, can can I get like a bad word or, or a bad image to it, you know, kind of get a, a bad name because you go, Oh, that's kind of just, you know, mental ascent or whatever. But what, what it really is, is it tells us exactly who we are in Christ. tells us exactly how free we are. It gives us the truth in a very clear way so that we understand like, like who we are, whose we are and what the effect of that means for our lives. So We'll be looking into that. And speaking about just justification, uh, the great reformer, Martin Luther, um, who was part of the, the unbelievable movement uh, where he, the, the word of God was brought back to a place of purity, where freedom was attained when the church had gotten corrupted and twisted up. People were paying for indulgences. Uh, anyway, so Martin Luther... He said this about justification. If the article of justification by faith is lost, all Christian doctrine is lost. So with that in mind, we're going to get into it. Look, starting at verse 15. So verse 15. We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. So Paul is saying we are Jews by nature. This is who he's speaking to. I'm speaking to us. This is is for us, the Jews by nature, and not to the sinners of the Gentiles. Well, you go, well, that's kind of harsh to the Gentiles, and aren't we all sinners? Yes, but what Paul's speaking to in the sense of sinners was kind of the perception of the Gentiles, right? The Jews were given the law. They were God's chosen people. They had been given this, this relationship with him. The Gentiles were just like reckless, like godless, like who knows what they're doing. So he's saying, I'm speaking to us who know the law, who understand the law. This is for you to understand. This is who I'm addressing. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by a faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Paul is reminding Peter and Barnabas and all the rest of the Jews at this time 
that they all knew full well that the law did not make them justified. So can I remind you guys, like, that you, you have already tried this. We've all tried this. And we have found that there is no justifying, there is no way of becoming right with God in our own merit. Because we can look at the, uh, the law, and, and even if we, we think we keep the law, man, Jesus threw all of that on its head when he said, all right, so uh, adulterers and murderers, they, the kingdom of heaven isn't for them. And we could all go, amen, yeah, no adulterers, no murderers. We get that, you know. Like, and then Jesus said, oh, by the way, if you've hated someone in your heart, you've pretty much murdered them. You're just not given the opportunity. You, you just have lacked commitment, I guess, you know. Or if you look at a woman or man, whatever, lustfully, you've committed adultery, in your mind. And what, so he's like, you're already there mentally and you're living in this mental world and you're living in this, you know, alternate universe and you think anything goes over there. But the fact of the matter is even those who you think you're keeping the law, by the way, you aren't, trust me. There is always going to be somewhere in there where it's twisted up, it's messed up. So they knew full well, the Jews knew full well that they could not become good enough to please God or to uh, appease God um, and, and their sin. Because ultimately, it's not just their behavior, it's their heart, right? And that's something we, we look for. We look for the root cause of issues. Why are these issues happening? You know, I, I, I have these weeds and I just keep, I keep cutting the top off with scissors and the weeds come back. Why? Well, because there's roots underneath and the roots are what is really causing that growth to happen. And you could spend your time cutting in. It looks great for a second, but the fact of the matter is it's going to keep growing back because there's a root issue. And to us, the root issue is of the heart. The fact that we are far, way farther from God than we would ever want to admit in and of ourselves and in our heart. This is eye-opening. This is like, it's like a paradigm shift when we recognize that we're like actually not the good guy in the story. <laughs> we're not the hero. We're, we are actually the villain. We are actually the people. When you look at the crucifixion of Jesus and you're like, Man, who am I in this story? I don't know. There was no one there who represented me very well. I'd have been the one that was sitting right next to Jesus and being like, this is wrong, guys. This is wrong, you know? I'd have been the one that wouldn't have walked away. But really, the depiction of who we are is actually the one spitting on him, mocking him, putting the crown of thorns on him, because we do that very often. And Until we come to that conclusion or understand that we're very much guilty, then we can't understand how good the good news of being made right is. So the Jews at this time, they were bringing the law back in. And Paul's like, there's no way you could be possibly bringing the law back in because you know full well, the law is meant to teach us that we can't do it through the law. Jesus came and he died for that, that we would be justified in him. So that's what he's saying. He's like, no, you knew, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. You guys knew that. And you're believers. You guys know Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. That is how we're justified. 
and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. You just think it's the littlest issues are so, are so quick to make us drift further and further away from him. And the, the idea of no flesh, that no flesh shall be justified. Uh, one commentator said it like this on Paul's emphasis of the foolishness of expecting justification by works. He said, the total incapacity of man for any kind of self-justification is in justification, the sinner stands there with his hands entirely empty. Like if we're trying to justify ourselves, we literally, we come to him completely empty. Like we have nothing to bring to the table. You know, we can't even bring like a, all right, you know, we got to get pool together our resources. What do we have to like make this happen? You know, here's a gum wrapper. We didn't even have a gum wrapper. Okay. But nothing in our hands to, cause if you knew MacGyver back in the day, he could do something with a gum wrapper. Couldn't he? He was diffusing bombs with gum wrappers. So if you missed out on that, then, you know, oh yeah. Okay. There you go. Thanks, Zane. Uh, we have a class on that afterwards. Um, <laughs> Stott said it like this. Faith in Jesus Christ then is not intellectual conviction only, but personal commitment. The expression in the middle of verse 16 is literally, we have believed into Christ Jesus. It is an uh, act of committal, not just assenting Uh, to the fact that Jesus lived and died, but running to him for refuge and calling on him for mercy. So it's not just like understand that like justification and even like when you say doctrine or theology, it has like kind of like a stale um, connotation to it. But really it is showing that how desperate we are for Jesus, like how much we need him and how much our life is founded in him. More than we experienced, more than we had any idea. We had no idea how easy it is for us to ruin our whole lives. How easy it is for everything to fall apart quickly. Verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. So you can kind of get a little bit of a glimpse of the way that these Jews are thinking uh, because they're like, oh, well, you've been saved by Christ, but you're still sinning. So does that make Christ a minister of sin? Well, that's one way of, that they kind of saw. It's like, okay, well, you know, this justifying uh, why we need to come back to the law. Oh, yeah, you, sure, you came to Christ, but now you've got to tighten that life up, right? That's one of the ideas. The second idea is that there was a continuation of sin after, uh, after salvation, so the work must not be complete. So what Jesus did wasn't complete because we're not made right, and so therefore it makes him a minister of sin. What Paul's trying to show him is like, you guys in your thinking is, is so far off that you're making Jesus like different. You're making his ministry different, a ministry of sin. This is where sanctification, of course, comes in. But the best way to get closer to God is not to become more legalistic or more focused on, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. Anyone who's experienced this knows the best way to get closer to the Lord is by receiving his grace more and more and more and more. Like the more I'm like in awe of his grace and the more I'm, I'm 
I recognize my, my failings and my sin, the more that he's willing and, and able to minister to those parts of my heart. What these Jews had, whether willingly or unwillingly done, what Peter had, un, you know, whether willingly or unwillingly endorsed, was that uh, we could actually do a little bit better job of getting ourselves to look more like God than he can. Like that we can actually do something to get, make our status higher than he can, which is just insane, right? I always love my buddy Greg Opini always said, like, you will become more sinless when you don't focus on sin but grace. Like, you, the more that you experience grace, the more that you're honest and transparent before the Lord, even one another, the more you will draw closer to him, the less you will sin. If all you're focused on is sin, uh, you, will, you are guaranteed to hit it. If all you're focused on is the things of the law and, the, you know, doing, doing this and that and this and that, then you're, you're going to miss the whole point of it all, which is what? Relationship. It wasn't about the law. The law was to show you you needed help and help was coming. That was the good news. And we see it all throughout the Old Testament, right? The, the God's people there are a mess. And they've dug themselves into an extremely deep hole. I mean, as you're reading through the Old Testament, it's like, <laughs> it's like frustrating, you know? Because you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, I know I do it too, but come on, you guys, like, seriously. Like, he just parted the, the waters, and you walk through. It has been raining food every morning in the middle of the desert. Rocks are getting hit, and water's coming out. And we don't trust God? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. How can we get to this place where we're not going to trust him? You know, whatever. And you could see it through all out, all throughout Scripture, you know. Again and again, throughout the Old Testament. God shows himself to be so mighty and people forget about him. Well, of course, we are the same exact way, if we're honest, right? He shows himself faithful. He shows himself that he... that. His way is the way, like, to, to follow him is, is the best possible choice we can make. But yet, we like to take the reins every once in a while. And we like to, in some, the worst case scenarios, we package it as spirituality or as growing closer to God when it's just works and legalism. And that is, it doesn't just hurt you, it hurts everyone around you. I think that's something really important, even as, like, uh, um, as parents, if you're a parent, is that helping your kids to understand, like, look, you're going to screw up. And you're going to screw up a lot. And can I tell you, I screw up a lot. I was talking to one of my kids, and, and they, were, they said something like, Dad, well, you don't understand, because you didn't mess up. Like, I'm like, oh, hold on. You've got to be kidding me. Like, have I not? I've told you so many times. I messed up. Like three times today in front of you, like in this conversation, you know, like you even understand, like, you've got to be kidding me. Do you think I don't mess? No way. Like, do not think that for one second. We are all on level ground, desperate for Jesus, desperate. And so like, that is what brings your kids to the place where they go, mom and dad need Jesus. I need you. That's it. Like, there's no other standard, you know, where it's like, hey, you know. Say your prayers, you know, read, read this, but then you don't do it and you don't seem to care. It doesn't have value in your life. Hey, stop lying. 
then you're lying about everything in front of them. They notice, you know, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. And and, and you know what? Here's the thing. We're all going to be hypocrites at some point. We're all going to mess that up. We're all going to make those mistakes. Do you want to know what you do when when you're a hypocrite? You transform their minds and you warp them and you, you get them to see that you're different and yours is okay and theirs isn't because they're younger. No, that's not what you do, okay? No, what do you do? You go before me and you say, look, I said something and I didn't back it up. I messed up. Listen to me. I screwed up. I, I was, I played the fool. I, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then when you do that, they go, Okay. And that gives them the uh, opportunity or the ability to seek that same kind of forgiveness. I, I always remember that story of, that Greg had told me. It was in this, in this light. Greg Opinion, pastor, and, you know, part of Hungary. And he's coming. He spoke here. And I, I just love the guy. And he, that's when he talked about messing up, almost getting in a fist fight with the guy on the road, on the side of the road. He was ready to go. And the guy said, what are you doing? Your daughter's in the car. And he looked back and he's like, she sure is, you know, <laughs> hadn't even realized she was in the car, I guess, because he was just ready to like, like pummel someone. And he said, he got, gets off and he's like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I, hey, listen, I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be fist fighting people on the side of the road. Um, I, I, you know, that's, it's a pastor thing, I guess. I don't know. No, well, of course we shouldn't. Right. But he's like, I got caught up in the flesh and he, and he, he said that it was such a cool moment for him because he was able to show his daughter how to receive grace, how to say, I screwed up. I messed up and I need to receive grace just like you do. And then, and and you know what? She probably was like, Oh, cool. But you know what that, that puts in their mind? If we go the way of legalism, which is, is a lot more appealing to us than we think it is, and it's a lot more prevalent in us than we think it is, like we go, of course we're not going to, you know, not eat with Gentiles. Well, that's not something we would struggle with. But to, underline, uh, to understand the underlying issue, it's all about superiority. I want to be better than the rest of you. I want everyone to know I follow better than you. I'm more important than you. We all do this. But when we we come and receive grace, it levels the playing field again. And really, we're leveling ourselves. And you're bringing your kids up so they can go, okay, look at that. And the same thing with people around you. Like, look, I lost my temper or I didn't handle that right. Will you forgive me? I messed up. I I just messed up. And, And sometimes you get it right. Sometimes you don't. But this is like when you do get it right, it offers and makes a community of grace that is so sweet and draws everyone closer to God as opposed to making it all about you, building yourself up. That draws everyone away from God, including you. Do you get it? It's kind of like, yeah, there's a lot there. But it's, it is the opposite of following God is acting like you're following God. Isn't that funny? Like the fake it till you make it that works in business. I don't really know how to do this, but I'm going to fake it till I make it, you know? Oh yeah. You want that? Uh, you want the report? Sure. Sure. I'll do that report. Google what report, what, how, what is that? How do I do that? You know, is this, so is this like the standard essay format or, you know, I haven't really done one of these since high school, I guess, you know, but in, as far as in Christianity, it's, this is an authentic, real thing. The world it, it is, it is, it runs on fake. It runs on facades. 
but Christianity is about the real thing. And so if you're going to have an effect in people's lives, what's really going to come through is if, if it's real or not. And so Paul's like really trying to make it clear, like, look, guys, we're all going to mess up. Don't you dare for a second think that you could do better at sanctifying yourself by trying to return to this old law that was never even about sanctifying. You could never sanctify yourself through the law. Never. So you're returning to something that doesn't work and you're neglecting the thing that does. Remember, this is in Antioch, which was an unbelievable church because it had these, these, this ministries of, of Jews and Gentiles alike working together, loving one another, and division had come in. And it was because of superiority. And it was because eyes had been gotten, had, they'd been taking their eyes off of Jesus. That's the same thing here. They took their eyes off of Jesus. And so Paul's like, do you remember you couldn't do anything with the law? Why are you returning to it again? Why do you think that you could become more righteous on your own than by submitting yourself to the Lord? We have to all ask ourselves this question. We go, oh, of course we don't think that. But you do. <laughs> we do. I do. Oh, I'm going to make myself better before I come back to the Lord. Well, don't you think he'll be good at bringing you back? Just surrender and allow him to work. Here we go. 18. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. There's a greater sin in the life of, of, of the believer that he doesn't need God. That's the greater sin. It's not like you're going to fall, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to slip up. The greater sin is thinking we don't need God. And that's spitting on the cross. It's saying, ultimately, I don't need a savior. I don't need him to, to save me because I actually could do it on my own if I worked hard enough, if I tried hard enough, if I dedicated myself enough. Verse 19, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I, through the law, died to the law. Okay. What does that mean, right? The law killed Paul. Dead to rights, guilty. It killed all of us. What the law is there for, it's not like, oh, the law was a mistake. God made the law and it was, oh, that day he was having a bad day, you know. I don't know what he was thinking. No, the law was to, was to absolutely convict us of guilt and to show us you are dead to rights. And the sentence is a death sentence. You must die for this. I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. Well, how did that happen? That we died to the law. How could that have happened? That, that we might live to God. Verse 20. Iconic verse. I love this verse, right? Memorize it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here is the clear picture. I died to the law because my life is now hidden in Christ. And he died after taking on all of our guilt, all of our shame. The debt was paid. And it was paid in full. This is, this is all of humanity's debt was paid in full. I've been crucified with Christ. Now, if I, if I recognize that, that I have recognized that he has died, and as he's died, my sins have died with him, I also recognize that 
the only life that I have is in him. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is how I'm alive. So if you separate yourself from this, you are not alive. Isn't that crazy? Like it's, it's, it is a big deal. That's why Luther said, you can throw everything else out if you don't get this. Because if you don't get this, and it's not like, oh, oh, you failed the test. No, it's not just like a test of like, oh, you should have known your Bible better. Oh, that was a trick, you know. I hated those. Multiple choice tests that were like, or true and false, where it was like 99% true. And there was one little part that you were like, ah, I'm not sure about that. To try and trick you. Why do teachers do that? I don't know. Some of them don't like their jobs. Some do. But this is, is the test to show, do you think you saved yourself? Or do you know how desperate you were for him? Because if you know how desperate you were for him, then you will gladly recognize that your life is only found in Christ. And as we do that, we re- recognize it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What a cool promise. And the life which I live now, I, which I now live, I live in the flesh. Or the now, well, sorry, hold on, hold on. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life that I now live in the flesh, I, I am living by faith. I don't see myself as doing it. You see it all throughout. Paul was, he worked extremely hard for the gospel. He, he, his whole life was, was following Christ and working so hard. But even when he says, like, I labored more than them all. No, not I, but Christ in me. He did it in me. The reason I even have a desire to, to do it, it's him in me. If I'm fruitful, it's because he did it. And this is a little bit like, and this is kind of the issue, right? And people are like, I don't want to hear that I have to submit to this. It is the best submission you could possibly submit to. It's... We'll get to it in a second, but it is, it's, it's freedom and it is life. It's being plugged into the source of power and energy and love that we need. Cause I don't know about you. I can't muster up the love I'm supposed to have for people because sometimes I just don't have it. I was telling Tori, I was like walking around downtown last night and there's like these drunk people kind of stumbling around and they're like, kind of like getting close to me. And I'm just like, I told her I had like an old feeling like back in the day, like, you know, I was like, oh, if you bump into me, I guess I'll just hit you, you know, like not really. I wasn't really going to do that, but like, it's because sometimes they get ignorant and they start getting like in your face or whatever. And I was, I remember like feeling like I used to feel like, oh, I'll just try out, I, you know, and I was, it was just like not long, but I started to realize it was like, I am on my own. <laughs> I'm like dealing with this in the flesh. And I'm, I'm, and I, I seriously was like repented right then. I'm like, as I'm preparing the message in my head, I'm like, you better not touch me, you know, sinner, you know? And I was like, God, give me compassion for these people. Give me like a love for these people. Like, what are you, what is going on? It's so easy though, to not have it because I was, I chose to go on my own for a second. I chose to flesh out and we can all do that. If that's shocking to you that that happened to me and that I thought that way, don't, you better check your own mind. We all have this, right? It was, it's been said, like, if we could all read each other's thoughts, no one would have any friends. No one would be married. No one, like, we would not want anything to do with each other at all. 
So you got to check yourself with that. I'm there. What's in me is wicked. I have the ability to ruin my whole life. I have the ability to ruin your life. I have the ability to do all of these things. It's in me. It's in you to do the same. But as we follow Jesus, as we decide to die, allow ourselves to to be one with him in in the death and, and then the resurrection and then letting him live in you, we can go from being death agents to life agents. And, and not just like, okay, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, but like life that renews life. It's this crazy story, the gospel, isn't it? Where God can take the most wretched, messed up, nasty sinner and turn him into someone that can turn others into that thing too. It's like the beautiful truth that there's no one that has any advantage in and of themselves. It is all about Jesus and it's all about our response with him. But it starts with a reality check. Sometimes we don't think we are as bad as we are. And, and you kind of get lulled into that because you go, you start grading yourself on the curve. Look around, man. There's a lot of people who are a mess. I'm not nearly as bad as them. Gosh, you know. Think about these people. Have you watched the news? You know, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Start grading on the curve. Nope, don't do it. Memorize that verse 20. That's such a good one. Verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Here's the reality of it. If I, if I believe that righteousness at all comes through the law. There was a, there was a, I heard a message on the section and he said, it's like saying you owe a million dollars and trying to give a penny and saying, we're even here. I'll pay you back. Here's a penny. We're even. That's like a disgrace to God. Like that is like, it's like, do not do that. Like if someone blesses you with a gift, don't try to give them a piece of gum in response. Like, Oh, here. And we're even right. I don't owe you anymore. Like we're not, you know, whatever. It's like, no, it's the grace of the God. That's why I don't set aside the grace of God. I recognize that I am, it is only through the grace of God that I am what I am. That's it. And we go, oh yeah, I remember. I, that's how I started out in salvation. And now I've, I've grown and I've gotten this thing managed and I've gotten it under control. You are in a dangerous place and so am I for thinking like that. The second you're off guard and thinking that you've kind of got it, oof, what is waiting around the corner? But we've all got to be in that place. I need the grace of God every single day. The justification, man, that happened. I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have been made right with him. But I have the ability to try and take that. That's Peter. He's doing it. Barnabas. I can twist it up. We all can. But I found, I was thinking when I was, kind of in closing in on this, I found that four really cool things as far as justification, four cool, really cool freedoms found in justification by faith. These are freedoms that, that, uh, excite me that I think are worth noting four freedoms found in justification by faith. First of all, we are free and, and let this soak in. Cause this is really good. This should make you leave with a smile. One, we are free from the debt of sin. That is awesome. The debt has been paid. It's not like, oh, it's kind of been paid. No, it's been paid in full. So like we are free. 
that's the idea, just. We've been made right. We are justified by the justifier. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have, all, have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. That means we were very, very desperate. There was a heavy debt that needed to be collected. Romans 3, 23 through 26. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified freely. There's that word, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in, in Jesus. We are just and justified by the justifier. The ju- the judge said, you're good because I paid for it. So good, right? We're free. We've been made right. The sentence has been served and it was served out of love. It wasn't like, fine, you could come in. It was his idea. Our sin nature is worse than we would ever imagine. Past, present, future, but we've been free from from that. That goes into number two. So the first one is freedom from the debt of sin. The second one is freedom from condemnation. We're no longer condemned because the price was paid. Our value and our identity is found in Christ. So good. Therefore, Romans 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin to the flesh, uh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news, right? Three. No, was it not? I'm sorry. I thought it was. I'm just kidding. Three, freedom from comparison. Here's another good one. We're completely relying on God's grace. There's nothing we can do to pay back or enhance our standing. We're already there. We are, exa- we are exactly where we are supposed to be. And there's, so that leaves no place for boasting. Romans 3, 27 and 28. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? By what law of works? No, but the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So there's nothing we can do to, to boast because he just did it all. I hope this is resonating. It did for me. And then the last one is, uh, it's, it's freedom for all. Whoever wants it. The free gift. Romans 5, starting verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And then 
It's going to be on a football field today, probably, right? John 3.16, the football verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This justification, this being made right, is offered to anyone. I think the best way we can honor the gift, because we're always like, how can I pay back the gift? Just honor him. Honor the gift. Like, let the gift change you and, and take advantage of all of it. Let, don't, like, take the grace of God in vain. The best way we can do that, I think, is to present it to as many people as we can. That's why we have that stuff out there. Opportunities. Where do you see opportunities? Where do you see people that, that, would, that are dying to hear this message? Because this really happened. Jesus really died on the cross. These apostles were willing to die for the fact they saw Jesus risen from the dead. It will always be a temptation with man to try and take glory by elevating himself. But let's just seek to marvel at the glory that is God's magnificent offering of making us right. And just just before a right and just standard by paying the ultimate price. Like, let's just glory in what God has done and be like so stoked on that. It's totally fitting. Today is the first Sunday of the month because it's communion Sunday. What a good time to to go and remember when Jesus came and, and righted the wrong and paid the debt so that we could be free. The sin, though our sin We're scarlet. We've been made white as snow. Isn't that beautiful? What a good truth. What a good promise. Um, I'd encourage you. We're going to do it where everyone can grab the, you know, cup and you can grab the bread, take it back to your, your seat and just say, you know, be, just be real before the Lord, be honest with him. It's, it's good to be honest with one another, but it all starts with the honesty and transparency before God and just kind of do business with him here and thank him for what he, he's offered up and where we're off, ask him to, to come and minister and move in us, okay? Let's, uh, let's pray. The worship team will be coming up here. Lord, we thank you so much for the good news. Of-